You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. As he mentioned on forgiveness from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 32. By the way, if you, if you don't have a Bible, there's a hardback black one in the back, and you're welcome to take that Bible home with you. If you don't own one, we want all of you following along in the Word. It'll also be up on the screen for you as well. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 32. It's where the Apostle Paul writes, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This is God's word. And by way of introduction here, we are in the midst of a series called Freedom. And as Pastor Bill mentioned, he's going to be doing a two-part mini-series on forgiveness in the midst of this series. And what we're, what we're talking about is how Jesus sets us free. That he doesn't just give us salvation, but that when we come to him, he fills us with the Holy Spirit. And he begins freeing us from the things that enslave us, from the things that hold us in, in bondage. And so throughout this series, we've said that we don't just want this to be information. Um, we hope that you really encounter God in this series and that God does indeed set you free as we're all kind of on that journey. We're all on that process of being set free by the Lord. But one of the other things we want to do is each and every Sunday during the series, we've wanted to bring a testimony to you. Uh, Revelation says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. So it's important that we share in the midst of all of us struggling along with different things in our lives. It's important that we share the things that the Lord has been faithful to free us from in the past, which leads us to be hopeful about the future. We say, hey, God set me free from that thing. So whatever you're struggling with now, what, however stuck you feel now, God can set you free. And so I'm going to invite Jan to come. And Jan's going to share a testimony of something that the Lord has done in the past in her life, and I hope this encourages you this morning. Good morning. I'm going to be sharing my own journey of forgiveness. It's a very long journey, probably coming up to almost the present day. Um, some years ago, I was in Bible study fellowship, and as you know, that's quite a good uh, study to do. And the leader was talking about one of the purposes for genealogies in the Bible is that it's, God is emphasizing the importance of the individual. And that really touched me because I've always skipped over those. And I suppose most of you do the same thing. There's all those lists of names and it's like, oh, yeah, I don't need to know that because I won't remember it anyway. But I started to realize that, that God cared for me very personally in this journey. And as I tell it, um, these things are unique to me. And so I just want you to understand how much his grace just touched my life through the way he worked with me on this journey of forgiveness. Uh, in Matthew uh, 18, uh, the Lord tells Peter that we need to forgive 70 times 7. And I don't know that I did it that many times, but certainly felt like that a lot of the time. Um, my main issue in my family was with my mother. Uh, my family had a lot of uh, dysfunction and abuse. Um, my mother was not like anybody else's mother that I knew. 
And now I would say she had a personality disorder, but as a child I didn't know what that was or what really was driving her, uh, what made her so harsh and, and just so unreasonable. Um, she would often just say outrageous comments to people, and it just mortified me as a child. And in years later, even as an adult, she had an encounter with then-Governor Bill Janklow, and I'm sure he never forgot that, what happened in that encounter, and I haven't forgotten it either. So I was very embarrassed by her as a child, and I would watch people closely and kind of look for any reaction. Is anybody getting this stuff? Is this, you know, weird to you? And I could never see it. Nobody raised an eyebrow, nothing. And so that was, and actually still is, a great mystery to me, what that was about. Um, in my family, I felt often like I was living in a foreign country, uh, like I was an outsider, that I was never quite comfortable with the customs, and I never really knew what the rules were. I just found out when I disobeyed them and got in a lot of trouble. And so it felt like I was always walking on eggshells. So it was not a lot of peace in that home, very little, a lot of yelling, a lot of fighting. And so I received Christ as a pretty young child. At nine years of age, I asked Jesus to be my savior, and he was a great strength in my life and really changed my life. Um, however, by the time I got to college in my late teens, I felt like he started to deal with me with this forgiveness issue. And it was very hard because, as you know, justifiable you know, resentment is just the worst and, and really hard to let go of. And so I prayed over and over forgiveness for her, and I feel like I had some measure of peace at that point, but it seems like she'd do things over and over again, and it would just be an ongoing thing. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to fast forward to about 15 years ago. I was in several prayer groups and Bible studies, and in one period of my life, um, there were probably three or four people that spoke over me and said they felt like God was um, leading them to tell me that he had a ministry for me and praying for people and healing people emotionally and physically. And I just kind of took that in and, and just um, pondered that. And one day I was sharing it with my friend, and she said, yeah, you know, I, I can see that. I agree with that. However, I just feel like God wants to do something in your life with your mother yet. And not out loud, but in my head, I screamed. It just hit me so viscerally, no, I have forgiven her, and that is quite enough. And you know, when we have a relationship with Jesus, he never leaves us where he finds us. You know, he never quite lets us go. He says in his word that he's bringing abundant life, and I think abundant life, you know, brings wholeness to us. And so he started to work on my heart. And I knew if I was going to pray for people, I couldn't be all plugged up myself with unforgiveness or sin. And I still wanted to have this open conduit. So I tried to just keep praying. Just open my heart. Show me what you want to do with this. And so more and more the conviction came that I was hearing his voice and he was saying, I want you to hug your mother and tell her that you love her. It's like, wow. I mean, I have no memory of my mother touching me kindly or telling me she loves me. And it's honestly repulsive for me to do this. And so I prayed about it for a while. And one day I'm just driving to the nursing home to visit her. And again, God speaks, not audibly, but just in this thought that I recognize his voice saying, today's the day. And by that point, I just had kind of surrendered, okay, I'm just going along with this. So I go into visitors, same usual visit, you know, same stuff we talk about at the end. And I, I should go back and say, I, I said to God, when he said it's the day, I said, okay, I will do this. But I want you having her sitting up in her wheelchair and not laying in bed, because I'm not giving this full frontal hug. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> So you can imagine what happened. I get there and just about laughed out loud because, of course, she's sitting up, and she usually isn't. And she's sitting up in her wheelchair and have this same old conversation. Comes to the end of the visit, and I just go up and give this little side hug to her. 
and say goodbye. Instead of responding, she just shakes my hand like to make it more formal. And it's like, well, that's okay. I'm just obeying God and no emotions for me, just going through this. And did this for a few months. And he reminded me that I hadn't told her I loved her. And that's even harder yet. And so, again, you know, I go there. At the end of the visit, I give her this little side hug. And just this day I add, love you, Mom. And she reaches up and shakes my hand and says, I love you, Larry. And she's never said this before. Never said it since the rest of her life. But it was like an amazing thing to me. And it was like something in me broke. And I said to God, whatever you ask of me, the answer is yes. This is just an amazing thing. But, you know, the funny thing about saying that to God, he kind of calls in those promises later. And so when I was in graduate school, I had to write a 50-page autobiography, and a lot of it involved interviewing my mother. And that was really hard because she talks in cliches and goes on tangents. Real hard to have open, honest communication with her. And so I kept trying and just not really getting anywhere. And one day I went to the nursing home and, and was asking her questions. And absolutely, with no um, prompting for me, out of the blue, she spills this huge secret. And it just, you know, blew me away. And I had no clue of this. And it was just sharing some trauma in her childhood. But it was like I could tangibly just feel the Holy Spirit in that room. And it was amazing because it humanized her for me. And it was like I also felt later some judgment of myself. I was so judgmental of her. But I had to work that through and forgive myself and realize, you know, I was just a child. I had no way of, of dealing with this. But psychologists will say that if you know somebody's backstory, um, their behavior makes sense. And so a lot of this made sense, not all of it, but a lot. And that was such a gift to me. I'm a very cognitive, very curious person. And so that was a huge breakthrough for me and really meant a lot. Um, she died about five years ago. And um, at a funeral, when you go to a funeral like that, you kind of expect that people are going to be very kind and say nice things about the deceased, whether you know it's true or not. And I was somewhat prepared for that. And a lady that I really um, highly regarded came up to me and said, your mom was so much fun. And in my head, I'm like, fun? I mean, there, I've never seen an ounce of fun in, in my whole life with her. And uh, then I started thinking, well, gosh, did she act different with people that when we weren't around and she was fun with other people and not her family? You know, I didn't know. But, but suddenly the anger just came flooding back. And it was like, again, God was just kind of peeling me like an onion with all these layers that had bubbled up. And so sat with that anger for a while. And um, as a therapist, I see people for a lot of issues. And I had someone come in and uh, wanted to be seen for the mother wound, that term. And I'd never heard it before, but I knew instinctively what that meant. And so I did a lot of research on it. I wanted to do a good job, read a lot about it. And just like that, I had six more people, clients that came in for that very same thing, which is rather unusual, but not for God. And I knew it was a God thing. And so in processing this with my clients, you know, I also got healed. And I have to say, I really learned through that that I had to grieve the mother that I wished I had or thought I deserved, and so I could accept the mother I got. And I also came to believe that it's just best to believe that people are, for the most part, doing the best they can with the limitations they have. And I think, too, I had to lower my expectations of people and learn that I don't need to have expectations of people that they don't have the capacity or 
you know, any chance of fulfilling. And so it was just over like that. One day it just left. And I would say, as much to my knowledge, I feel like at this point I've completely forgiven her unless God, you know, brings up something else again. Um, I cannot say enough the grace that God has given me through this, the peace he's brought, the healing, um, the mercy. It's just been an awesome thing. And I just want to encourage you that if you have anyone that you have unforgiveness that just comes up in your mind to let the Lord just speak to your heart because he'll speak to you individually like he did me. It won't be my story. It will be your story. And so I want to just end with um, John 8.36, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I just thank God for his freedom. Um, to God, just give all the praise and honor and glory. Thank Amen. you. Amen. Thank you, Jim. When you start talking about forgiveness, we all start to feel things. Uh, it, it just brings up emotions. It brings up all kinds of stuff, doesn't it? Thank you, Jan, uh, for sharing that with us. I have so enjoyed walking through these testimonies with all of you. It's good sometimes to look back a bit uh, to see where we have come from, uh, to see the good hand of God. It's also really good to look forward. So in all of this, I want to encourage you and I that we're just not looking back at old stuff, okay? Um, but we are looking forward. We're seeing what God has done, and there's always good stories to tell and dreams to dream and things to think about that are very forward and very good for us. And I want to take just a minute to do that this morning. Sam, stand up and tell us something going on in your life right now. Oh, wonderful. We are so excited to hear that today. <laughs> if you are new to Life Church, when a young man proposes to a young woman in Life Church, uh, they, don't, they don't get away with a private situation here. They have to make a public announcement in church, all right? So they have to stand uh, and share it with everybody. And Sam knew it was coming. I don't think he knew that. I think you might have been relieved thinking, it, it, he's not going to do it today. It's gonna, we, we're not going to do this, but we did it. Th congratulations, guys. We want very much in Life Church for people to start out well. We want very much in Life Church for people who come in to be healed, to be set free, to be delivered. We want very much in, in Life Church that our relationships that we have together are very healthy, very vibrant, very full of life. These things can only happen when we walk as God walks, when we live as Christ lived. And when we begin to live as Christ lived, it requires us to not only act in certain ways and be proactive in certain ways, it requires of us to respond in particular ways. And one of the great responses that is so Christ-like is to forgive, to be willing to lay down offense, to actually become a person who is unoffendable, someone who doesn't take on the offense, someone who, who doesn't get hurt easily, Someone who lets things lay down and, and slide by and slide over, all right? We become 
Teflon, if you will. And so whatever the enemy throws at us, rather than it sticking, uh, it just slides off of us. And we become those people who are very capable of loving unconditionally. And we're able to share that love and express that love in such a way that it's actually helpful for others, for, for their ability to not only forgive, but to feel forgiven as well. Here's the problem, folks. We live in an age of offense. There, I can't remember a year or so past the last year and a half where I have seen outside of the church so much offense. Offense is taken everywhere. The, the, the whole political arena just bred an offended spirit. It was everywhere, every commentator, every person on the street, every town hall meeting, uh, every interview. I mean, it was someone offended at someone else or some group offended at another group. Uh, and the, the amount of toxic emotional poison that was coming out and flowing through America, through our heart, uh, was, was, it was just awful. It was, it was horrific. And so it just reinforced the reality that we do. We live in an age where everyone is offended, it seems. Almost everyone is angry. Everyone is enraged, all right? And out of this kind of offense, out of this kind of spirit that is starting to prevail, flows things like bitterness and resentment and hatred and, in particular, unforgiveness. People begin to hold things. Hold things that poison their spirit. Hold things that, that paralyze them emotionally. Hold things that cause triggers to respond to situations. And you see all of these kinds of, of emotions coming out. And the sad thing is that probably almost all of us sitting here can say that, that we experience some kind of offense almost daily. But the critical question for us is not what is the world coming to, but it is, how do we handle the world that we are in? How does our heart respond? How do we, how do we deal with this kind of atmosphere, this kind of place? See, all, all unforgiveness comes out of offense. And unforgiveness may just be the greatest poison that the heart knows to mankind and we may very well be in those last days where it is prophesied, in the last times, people will be offended. People will not forgive. People will hold things against one another. And it seems like the idea there, the message there in that passage is that it will be more prevalent. It will be more predominant. It will be easier for people to carry this offense uh, against one another and, and group against group. And I rejoice in that sort of prophetic word to the end time church because here's what I see. And you got to see it right, folks. Let me tell you something. We can't be a church that is critical and pessimistic. We, we can't be a church that is, is in gloom and doom. We've got to be a church that has the unbelievable, amazing, awesome answer that Jesus Christ is Lord and that his love is spread abroad for all of us, and that we have been forgiven and redeemed and set free, and therefore we can be like Jesus. Therefore, the church can be set apart. The church can live differently in an age of offense. The church doesn't have to become like the world. 
The church doesn't have to be as the world is. And, and as the world goes, so goes the church. No, it doesn't have to be that way. We can be set apart in that we can be different. We can be succinct. And, and we can have a message and an impact for the world that gives it hope. That was one of the big messages in the last year or so on the, the newscasts. There is no hope left. America has no hope. The people are feeling hopeless. Well, they were just interviewing the wrong people, in my opinion, at that moment, okay? Because we are a people of hope. Our hope is in God. And that's what the Bible says. Put your hope in God. And so that's where we want to land. That's where we want to live. But you and I cannot do that if we are walking in an offended spirit. If we are holding unforgiveness. One writer of our current times says, I travel all over America and he's written many, many books, and one of his books is about this whole idea of, of being unoffendable. And he says, I have observed that the enemy's most deadly and deceptive trap is offense. He says, it imprisons countless Christians. It severs relationships. It widens the existing breaches between all of us. And this offense is a trap, if you will, all right? And here's the reality. If you and I are in that place, much like what Jan talked about and described in her own life, if we are in that place, we cannot effectively relate to one another. And we certainly cannot effectively relate to lost people. I'm going to tell you something. You can get offended in the church. Christians will offend you, all right? It's going to happen. Hallelujah. We have one honest man in the church here today. <laughs> Here's the crazy thing. Your pastors are going to offend you. You know, I'm going to say something sooner or later from the pulpit, and it's just going to just tick you off, all right? And, and you're going to have to deal with it, you know? And some of you, you're going to tell me when you don't like how I preach or what I do, and I'm going to get ticked off and offended about it, and I'm going to have to go be pitiful and deal with it, pray, get delivered, set free, and overcome it, and then we both have to move on and love each other and, 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 and all of that, you know? But I'm telling you what, if it's hard for us to do that in the church, oh, it is going to be so much harder when you're trying to sit there and witness to someone who is an unbeliever and has a really bad spirit towards God in the church, and yet God is calling you to be there and to speak life into that person. That is going to be a really hard place for you to not get offended. I heard stories about some of you. When you're driving down the road and someone cuts in on you. And the demonstrative activity that begins to go on with you. As you are upset because that person had no right to cut in in front of you. And how dare they do this to you in your car on your highway. And so you're all upset about it. You're offended. You're, you're driving along and you're huffing and puffing and some of you are swearing and some of you are doing other things, all right? And shortly you'll be repenting. But the reality is even we in the church are caught. We're trapped sometimes because we get easily offended. How many of you hate going to family reunions? Uh-huh, yeah, Three people are telling the truth. The rest of you are just sitting there. 
because you know somebody's apt to tick you off. All right, somebody's going to say something, that crazy uncle, that ridiculous sister-in-law, you know, grandma, grandpa, mama, dad, brother, sister, people we're supposed to be deeply in, 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 in relationship with and loving one another uh, unconditionally, and yet these things happen. Jan shared with you, honestly and forthrightly, a relationship with what should be the most treasured person in her life, a mother-daughter relationship. It should be this, this wonderful, intimate, lovely thing. I See, I don't, I don't like to get on websites. I don't like Facebook when all these people post these things about fathers and sons because I didn't have a good relationship with my dad and at some point I'll share my testimony with you okay that's not today but I don't like looking at all of those little things and people put those little posters up and say if you agree then share well I don't share because my relationship to my father was really not great, and it was very sucky. There was redemption, and I, I'm, I'm going to share that with you in time, all right? But I never enjoyed listening to James Dobson, because he always talked about how he had such a great father, and what a wonderful relationship him and his father had, and his father mentored him and, and loved him and was there for him all the time, and this was the great godly example of a father and a son, and I'm like, well, I don't get that. And of course, much like Jan's testimony, God had to deal with me about my father wound and th that relationship, okay? And I had to forgive. And it may not be a mother or a father. It may be a brother or a sister. It may be a son or a daughter. It may be a neighbor. But there are people in our lives and we are holding this mess. We're holding this stuff in. In other words, we're trapped. We're, we're caught in that place. All right, And that's where the enemy is able to get in. So, so many of us, we find ourselves wounded, hurt, bitter, we're offended, and sometimes we don't even realize that we have fallen into Satan's trap. Sometimes, uh, as Jan pointed out, there's this justifiable kind of thing that begins to happen, all right? But what, what really happens is when we justify this offense, it becomes a hum, a, a, just a tremendous tool of the devil to bring us into a deeper captivity, and the Greek word for offense here means uh, a, a trap stick, if you will. It's, 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 that, it's that crooked stick that the bait is put on so that when the animal takes the bait, the trap slaps down on him and he's caught. And when we are offended, we've taken the bait and the trap has come down and we're, we're caught in that place, all right? And it's, it's a sudden catch. It, 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 it snares us quickly. And it is the trap of the devil, all right? And, and, and I think this is why a lot of people call this the bait of Satan. That's what, that's what offense really is, all right? Because it gets the heart full of these, these emotions that are toxic. And, and they cause us to not to be able to forgive. And as I said earlier... That is the mark of our times, all right? Matthew 24 talks about this. And it says many will be offended. Many will betray one another. It says many will hate one another. And, and there will be false prophets that will rise up and deceive people, all right? And lawlessness will, will abound. This is it's not a great picture, folks. All right? As, as the times progress the world is going to become more and more difficult to, to navigate and to live in and to work in. I work in the business world as, as well as pastor a church. 
And so I come in contact with a lot of business people, and I talk to them, ask them how they're doing. How's your business doing? How are you doing with your business? And they go, Pastor Bill, five years ago, I would not have dreamed that I have to deal with the kind of issues and struggles and battles and problems that I have to deal with today. It's so difficult to work with people anymore. Why? Because sin is abounding. Because the work of the enemy is, is fast-paced. And, and the enemy is treacherous. He's like a roaring lion, the Bible describes him as, crouching at the door. All right? This isn't the little stuffed lion from the Lion King that your son or daughter is, is walking around with, shaking and singing that song from the, from the movie. All right? No. This is a vicious territorial spirit that crouches at the door of your heart and waits for that opportune moment, puts the bait out and waits for the trap to fall. And when it does, he devours. And his intent is not just to make you offended. Please understand this. His intent, that Satan's key strategy is that you live in this realm, this, this spirit, this, this place of a foothold. So don't, we're, we're warned, don't let the, the enemy get a foothold. That, that word there is topos, and that means an area. All right, Don't let the enemy get an area where the enemy has some kind of authority. You say, well, I'm a Christian. Yes, you are, but if you give in to unforgiveness, you're opening up an area of your heart for the enemy to come in, and you're giving him permission to live in that area of your heart that has been given to God. God died on the cross through Jesus Christ, his son, so that you could be forgiven and set free and healed, and you and I are opening that heart that belongs to God and giving the enemy a place, a foothold in there to hold on to and to have and to have authority in because we're living unforgiving lives. And I, I, I listen, I understand some of you are sitting here and you're going, you have no idea what I have gone through. You are absolutely right. I don't have an idea what you've gone through. And, and, and my pain cannot interpret your pain and vice versa. And I cannot know where you've been. But I do know where you can live. And that is in the place of absolute total freedom and surrender to Christ Jesus. And I only know that because I've been in that topos. I've been in that area of influence of the evil one. And I've had to fight my way out of it. It's not a battle you can fight alone. I think anyone who's walked through that, and I appreciate Jan's testimony today of those people who spoke into her life, and, and even those people who maybe have said things that she didn't like understand or agree with at the moment. It's like, I don't know, I don't know that, you know. It used to bother me so much to see my dad being gracious to someone else. And I'm like, I don't know that guy. I don't understand that person. That's not the person I'm familiar with. I'm, I'm familiar with the distant person. The person that couldn't meet that longing in my heart. But what I'm telling you is that you and I have a father in heaven who can 
meet the longing of our heart and bring healing and bring restoration. 2 Corinthians tells us that a major device of Satan is, is his, his warfare against the kingdom of God. And, and a big piece of that warfare is unforgiveness. All right? It, 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 the Bible says that you and I are not to be ignorant of the devices of the enemy. We need to understand this. We, we need to be able to understand that this is something that the enemy does to us. All right? We need to understand that when, you, when we are offended and we hold something against someone else, the enemy is working against us. And he has this crafty way of getting our eyes off of our own heart and our own condition and, and looking at the other person and pointing the finger and judging and being critical and holding that person in some type of, of spiritual captivity. And the reality is the one who is captive is you and I. Because we have given the foothold to the enemy, all right? And wouldn't, wouldn't you rather to live a life with one another that, that is, is, is gracious and, and forgiving and, and filled with comfort rather than being overwhelmed in this sort of excessive sorrow and despair that keeps you down because you just can't let go of something and, and you somehow want some other person in some way to be punished and you just can't seem to forgive them? And the question for you and I comes down to who has lordship over our will? Do I, do I get to decide who I can forgive and who I can't forgive? Do, do I get to make the judgment call? In the book of Acts, the writer says, here's what I do. I exercise myself in the sense that that I am determined to have a good conscience that is void of offense. Now, this is the description. He says, I want a conscience that is void of offense to God and to man. You see, it's just not sufficient for you and I to go to God and say, God, please forgive me. I'm hurting. And I'm hurting because of that person. God forgives you. But then God's intent is that you, in turn, forgive that person. And until you can do that, it's not a complete work. We forgive as Christ forgave us. This is what the Father tells us to do. This isn't some taskmaster saying something to a hireling and saying, you just have to do this because I say to do it. This is a father speaking to his sons and daughters to say, for us to be a family, for us to be whole, for us to be complete, this is what we do because I have already done this for you because I so loved you that I gave Christ to die for you so that you could be forgiven. I, in turn, am asking you, asking, actually not, commanding, I am telling you to go and forgive your brother or your sister. I'm telling you to take the initiative. God values this so much, folks, 
that he says, okay, I want you to worship me. I've created you to worship me. I, I want to, to, to enjoy your praise and your worship. However, if you have an offense against someone else, wait. Wait. In other words, lay it down at the altar, what you've brought. This gift to me, just lay it down there on the altar. Now you go back to that person. You make it right. Don't ask them to make it right. You make it right. See, the other person may not always cooperate with you, but that doesn't stop you from cooperating with God. And sometimes it's going to be difficult because you see, this whole thing of offense is the devil's playground. But if you take the offense on and become unforgiving, then it becomes your battleground. And no one wants to live in that place of continuous fighting and battling. You shouldn't anyway, because you don't have to. Do everything you can to be at peace with all men. This is what the Bible says. And so you and I are called to release. We're called to forgive, to set free. And the judgment isn't yours. The judgment isn't mine. The judgment is indeed God's. And even vengeance, punishment, all of that stuff, that is God's. God can handle that. The problem is you and I can't. We could never do that right. You and I could not judge right. We could not punish right. We're broken and we're humanity. Only an almighty God who is sovereign and creator can do that. And so you and I have been given this wonderful gift of God that frees us up, that allows us to not live in the slavery and the bondage to one another, and that is forgiveness. So we, we have this, all right? Jesus came to die for our sins. God said, even, even in Jeremiah, he says, I will forgive them their iniquities. And, and I will, get this, I will remember their sin. I will remember their sin no more. No more. It's done. Aren't you glad you're sitting here today, and you can hear that wonderful reality. All that stuff that shamed me, it is forgotten to God. He doesn't talk about it. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't remember it. Why would you? Why would I? It's a clean slate. You are not under shame. You are not under guilt. You are free. Why would you hold someone else in that place? Why make someone else the hostage that you've been set free to not be? All right? Let's get out of that. Let's, let's move out of that place because that is what God has done. He has come to set the captive free. He has come to forgive you and I, just as this passage that, that David read to you says. 
So I'm, I'm setting the order for you today because next Sunday we're going to come back in here and we're going to look at these particular areas of sin that, that is all entrenched into unforgiveness. And I'm going to take you through a process next Sunday. I'm going to actually take you through a cycle of prayer. We're going to do it together in here, all right? My heart is that you this week will take what I'm saying to you today and it will prepare you. You'll be ready next Sunday. You'll have, you will have already identified those people that you know there is something still there. And every time that name is mentioned or that person's face comes into mind, there's something that feels just not right. It's just a little itch right there. And you're like, oh, you know. And so you know something is still unfinished in that place. And here's the thing about forgiveness, folks. Forgiveness can come in cycles and in waves, and you may forgive someone to a level, but then it takes a little bit of time of processing that and working through that and, and walking out that forgiveness with that person on that level. But then God may down the road require you to come back and visit that offense again because there's a deeper forgiveness that needs to happen. And so we are constantly forgiving one another, and we're constantly working through these offenses that, that we've held. Jan talked about today of forgiving her mother, but having to go back and revisit some things and having to go to a deeper level of forgiveness. And that's, that's the story of many of us. Forgiving our, our, our parent on one level or forgiving our sibling on one level or forgiving a boss or a co-worker or a government official. Some of you need to just forgive some people that have never done anything to you. You just decided to be offended by their very personality and their character and things that they've done on some other level, and you're just holding that, and you're just angry with that person and mad with that person. I'm not an advocate of our current president by any means. But I'm not one of those people who's going to stand up and, and be broadcast on national television and say, well, I wish he would hang, or I wish he would die, or I wish this, or I wish that. That kind of poison. You say, well, that was not a believer. Be careful, my friend. There is so much in the wicked heart of man, man who loves God, that is cloaked in the secrecy of our own denial, our own religiosity. Only God can know the heart. And my prayer for you and I this week is that God searches us deeply, every one of us. I'm not asking God this week for you to have just the most blessed and spectacular week of your life, all right? I'm asking God to help you and I to get clean, to get free to get to the place where we can live the abundant life with one another. And you can walk in here with joy. See, I believe we live in a neighborhood that has a lot of, of despair, a lot of hopelessness, a lot of need. Why would, why would the people of our neighborhood, of our city, want to come into a church where everybody's down and out and walking in the mully grubs and, you know, all that kind of stuff? I wouldn't. And yet, we have the treasure of all treasures. We have this marvelous freedom that God has given to us and called us and mandated for us to give to others. We have a message of hope to share with others. 
And yet the enemy has been able to get in and create a topos, an area of authority where he is holding us down. And we are not capable of being the joyful worshipers that we need to be because there is a fence that is going along with us. And I want to challenge you and I today that, that we begin to not only identify this, but we begin to repent and we begin to make amends and we begin to do what is necessary so that we can receive this life of God for ourselves and we can share it with one another. Because you see, God doesn't ask you just to forgive your mom or your dad or your friend or your neighbor. <laughs> Sometimes we forget the depth of what God asks of us. And I think one reason sometimes is because we forget the depth of what God has done for us. You see, we don't preach tithing in this church because we don't believe that God says that you should give 10%. We believe that God says present your body a living sacrifice. That's 100%. And he may ask you for 10. He may ask you for 100. But that's up to God. All right? So, see, I don't believe God's intent is that you just forgive your friends and your neighbors and your spouse and those people around you in your sphere of influence. See, the Bible says, love your enemy. Forgive your enemy. Not just your friend. How can we go that far if we can't go this far? God is asking something of you and I today. I, I believe this with all my heart. I believe that this is one of the great, great hindrances of God's people to freedom. You don't have to raise your hand now, okay? Um, matter of fact, don't raise your hand. How many of you know you're walking in anger, you know? How many of you sitting here, you know you got anger inside of you. you. You crash so fast. How many of you know that you have resentment? There's someone that, that comes to mind. Sometimes th there's not even a trigger. They just happen to just pop into your mind because they're just, it's, the thought of this person is so prevalent. It's so right there. And it can just move into your thoughts very quickly. And there are always negative thoughts about this person. How many of you dwell on an experience in your past, recent or long ago, historical in some way, all right? But, but you can't let it go. It, it keeps coming back to you. It keeps visiting you. All of these are flags. All of these are places that are, that are warning points for you and I that we are offended in some way. You say, but I'm just hurt. God provides healing for our hurt and our pain. But you have to be able to look at that seriously and really be able to assess whether or not you are carrying something beyond just pain. Because you can give your pain to God and he can heal you. So let's work through that pain. If you need, if you need some time to work through that, you see Pastor Dave or myself, you set up a time with us, all right? Do it near the first part of the week, because I'm going to tell you what, the, since we've been doing this, this deliverance series, we've had many, many more meetings with people. 
All right? And it's not because we're preaching the right message or the right sermon. It's because the Spirit of God is at work doing something during this series. And many of you, you are dealing with things that maybe you haven't dealt with before or in a long time. You see, here's the amazing thing about God. You can bury it all you want to, but God will dig it up. He'll dig it up, and he'll put it right there. And God will search your heart, and God will slice your heart open and let you see exactly what is in there. But the beauty is he's promised you a new heart, and he'll give it to you wonderfully. We need to stop today, okay? And this is kind of where I, I want to finish today, all right? What I'm going to do next week is I'm going to talk about some of these poisons that are associated from this passage that David read to you, all right? All of this malice and, and clamor and bitterness and, and all these kinds of anger, all these kinds of, We're going to talk about those a little bit. We're going to have some identifiers, okay? And, and then we're going to look at what God says about forgiveness, and we're gonna, I'm going to take you through a cycle. I'm going to have a cycle up on the screen. I'm going to take you through a cycle to look at and evaluate your, where you're hurt or where you're wounded. And then I'm going to give you a different cycle of how you pray through that to the place of being free. All right? And we're all going to do that together. All right? But you're going to have to name some people. And you're going to have to name some situations. Not audibly, not to one another, but for yourself. As we work through this, we're going to look at these. You need to take these one at a time. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you through it once, but the intent is to teach you how to pray this prayer of forgiveness so that you can do it again and again and again. All right? And so this is going to be a model for you and I to take us to ultimately to our, our freedom from offense. And this is just one part. We're going to talk about other things in the, in the coming Sundays. I'm going to spend a Sunday on bitterness. I'm going to spend a Sunday on rejection. I'm going to spend a Sunday on shame. We're going to be talking about a number of these things that hold us and keep us down, all right? And we're going to look at the way out of it through prayer. So this, this next Sunday, that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. So here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to let me to pray for you. Let me pray for you as we close out today, all right? And here's, here's what I want. I want you to think, all right? I'm going to give Jen an attachment that is going to go on the e-blast. So if you're not getting the e-blast, you need to give her or David and I your email so you make sure you get the e-blast. And this attachment is just going to be a checklist of people who you may be carrying offense against. I'm going to have you just look at that and pray a prayer this week together, or by yourselves, I mean, and then you're going to bring it back here, and we'll be together. With, you'll have your own sheet to work on, not, not someone else's stuff, okay, but your own. All right, so you're going to, sometime this week, I want you to spend a few minutes in prayer. I want you to take the sheet, the list, and just go through it in prayer and ask God to help you to identify, is this a person that I am offended with? And if so, what is the offense? So you identify the person, you name the offense. All right? And then we're going to pray through that on this next Sunday after we address some of the, the toxic pieces that, that, and their identifiers of why and how we're offended. Okay? So can I pray with you this morning? What I'd love for you to do, if you're on board with this, all right, if, if you know that this is a place where God needs to do a work in you and you want to acknowledge that, hey, I know that I am either walking in an offended spirit or from time to time 
offense rises up in me and I don't deal with it very well, what I'd like for you, because I'm one of those people, okay, and I'm standing, and what I'd like for you to do, if if you're on board and you're going to take this seriously and work with it, then would you stand with me and let me just pray for you this morning? Would you make that confession before God today that, hey, I know this is a place where I need to work. I know this is a place where, where I need freedom and I need to be able to overcome. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus as your people. Look down upon us. We stand before you, God. And we stand before you because there is nowhere else for us to go. You are the only one who has deliverance for us. And so we come. We come in the name of your son, Jesus, because there is no other authority or power whereby men can be saved. And so in the name of Jesus, we submit our hearts to you this morning. And we ask you to carry us through this week. We ask you to comfort us and to give us a joy that is in you, Jesus, so that we may be able to look at our own hearts. And God, we ask you that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you show us those places where we must address the issue of offense. And we ask you to show us those people with whom we are offended. And we ask you to prepare our hearts. We ask you to deliver us. We ask you to give us the courage, the ability, the obedience to forgive. We ask you to set us free as a body of believers. We want very much to be a church that is walking in freedom. We want absolutely to glorify you with every relationship that we are in. And so we give this to you. And we say, have your way. Do what you will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, everybody, do not be afraid of what we're doing, okay? This is a good thing. And God is a gentle and loving God. And he wants so much for you and I to be set free. So let's work with him. Let's cooperate with God over these next Sundays. And let's be a people who are set free indeed, all right? Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.